Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you, as always, for joining me. We've got uh, a little less news to talk about today. There's a lot going on in the market, but I'm not going to get into all that. I've, I've had a busy week, and uh, there's a couple things that I've really been looking at uh, doing more so for myself, and uh, I'd like to get you guys uh, up to speed on what I've got going on over here. But uh, yeah, there is some news out there that I do want to cover. And uh, the first thing that pops up is uh, yet again, more Fed talk of uh, higher rates sooner. So it looks like, um, you know, the market cooled down a little bit here on Wednesday. Uh, it's about 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And um, yeah, we've definitely got the market cooling. So we've got some uh, inflation and, uh, you know, Fed news that is ultimately having, you know, the, the treasury yields uh, soar up a little bit higher, closer to uh, 4%. I believe that was on the, you know, it was on the 10 year. And yeah, they briefly touched 4% midday on Wednesday. Uh, so we've got the crude oil trading weaker and uh, the uh, WTI benchmark at 76.91 a barrel. So those prices are down and the treasury yields are up. So when people are going to run to those treasury yields uh, and they're getting 4% there, you know, it's definitely a safer way to make the that's, you know, 4% might not be a lot to you, but uh, it is safe. So if you are not uh, thinking that, you know, a 3% yielding stock has any more upside and potentially could crash, uh, that could be certainly a spot where you can park some cash and uh, get that 4% yield and not have your principal deteriorate away. Uh, we talked about that last time. We talked about cash, uh, treasury yields versus being in that camp of looking for uh, high free cash flow stocks that ultimately are going to be in the right spot when things rebound, whether it's AI, autonomous, uh, automotive. Uh, there's some of these different areas, healthcare, uh, even though some of those are pulled up a little bit higher than where they should be right now. There are some spots where I think you could possibly get into some different healthcare stocks that make sense right now. But you know the the ones that are really uh, yielding that four percent or higher, you've really got to be careful because there there could be some downside in the share prices as well. So you might get that yield, but uh, you know if your share price or your your capital that you have put in is going to deteriorate, it's it kind of makes a, a what for kind of kind of comment there. But uh, yeah, so we've definitely, you know, kind of covered that in depth as to whether you want to have cash or look for some of these different options in these high free cash flow names. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for the gross stocks that aren't making any money. They're not profitable. They, they need to borrow cash. That is a tough spot to be. But some of those other companies that have that high free cash flow have a lot of cash on the balance sheet and can potentially buy up some of these other stocks or other companies as they are trading down or partner with them to give them a line of credit, you know, this, that, or the other, where they, that cash is king for those businesses. So a company like Apple, they've got enough cash on the books in order to weather the storm, do whatever they want, buy up other things that uh, are going to be on sale. Similar to, you know, us trying to buy stocks on a discount, they're trying to buy companies that make sense uh, on a discount. 
So that is another option that's out there. You know, there, there's two camps as to what you should be buying right now. And uh, like I said last time, I'm, I'm definitely in a bit of both camps. Uh, I'm probably lean towards the uh, the bullish investor more so than having a ton of cash on the side. But uh, I do see the validity in order to have that cash be protected. But uh, on, on the next side of things here, I want to switch gears and we're going to get back over to Tesla. It is their investor day. I'm, unfortunately, I will see it, but uh, it's going to be a little bit too late for me to report on it tonight. I think that starts at 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. So probably about seven o'clock here. And by the time that's done and over with, uh, I'm going to be wrapped up with this. So I'm going to uh, cover a little bit of what we're seeing out there, a little bit of the buzz that is ultimately going on. Uh, we're really hoping for a, uh, a cheaper car uh, and maybe we might get a, an update on the Model 2, the uh, the new master plan, the robo taxis. And um, ultimately, you know, what they're going to be doing price point wise on the three uh, the whys and, and everything else in between. And we'll really see what that plan going forward is. It's a, apparently supposed to be one of the biggest investor days for Tesla in the past uh, five or six years. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that people are looking forward to. Um, again, you know, some of the things I already just said, and then also solar power, that uh, is another thing high on the list. We've also got the EV charging stations that's going to possibly be rolled out uh, in full or in part to other EVs. Uh, so other EVs can now charge at Tesla charging stations. So we're going to see what goes on there, what uh, kind of markup there's going to be on the electricity that is going through these, uh, these superchargers. Uh, it should be about eight to 12 cents a kilowatt hour. And some of them are charging up to 48 cents a kilowatt hour. Now after peak, which is normally like 9 PM, uh, those rates do go down. You can see that through the Tesla app. So you will see a lot of people wait for the chargers as to when they go off peak rates and the, the prices are uh, drastically cut at that point. So same thing for charging at home. You can do that through your app as well. Uh, you can schedule your charging. So when we get home, plug in the car and uh, you know it doesn't start charging until nine o'clock. That's when the, the rates are cheaper. So that's when we charge overnight when no one's using it. So uh, that just a kind of side point there. But um, yeah, we're also looking at uh, an at an inflection point right now as it seeks to boost production on the back of a share price resurgence. Uh, so we're looking to you know really drive these numbers higher. Uh, I believe the uh, the Berlin factory was just featured making about four thousand vehicles a week over there. So there's a lot of different things going on. We're we're going to get some updates. I will definitely cover that one next time as to what's going on out there and ultimately I think where Tesla is headed from here. Now, uh, kind of the in-depth portion of what I wanted to talk about today is uh, something that I really haven't brought up too much. It's been, oh boy, probably at least a year before I even really mentioned anything about uh, options. Uh, now, I am not a uh, experienced options trader. I've been doing this for all of one day, but... I do have some knowledge in the fact that I've been watching and listening and talking with others about options. And uh, I kind of want to give you a little bit of my update where I am on this journey. So this is not uh, not gospel by any stretch, uh, a bit of what I'm trying to do and uh, how I can make some extra money with the shares that I already own. Okay. So, um, well, first off, I'm on E-Trade, right? That's where I'm going to try to do this options trading because that's where I have the majority of my stocks 
and you have to have uh, over 100 shares in order to uh, you know, trade options on any given name. But uh, first off, I did want to say that I had a hard time starting an options account. Uh, you do have to have approval from your brokerage in order to uh, trade options. Now, I could not originally get options approval. I didn't know why I had to call E-Trade. The reason why is because I had a line of credit. We talked about this a long time ago also. It's been a dead line of credit that I haven't used. I was approved for it. Uh, I think originally the rates were 2 2.5% on this line of credit. So that was all well and good. I thought, you know, if I need to, uh, you know, buy a, a investment property or if I really need to do some renovations, I've got that cash sitting there that I can borrow and not take cash out of my account. I can use someone else's, you know, cash at 2% made sense. But now I was looking at this line of credit and the rate is adjustable and it is now 8.3%, uh, probably about a year later. So, um, well, one, I'm, I'm not really thinking I'm buying uh, an investment property in the next couple months. Uh, I'm not seeing any kind of signs of that at the moment. So what I thought to do uh, once they told me that I had to get rid of this line of credit was close the line of credit, get approved for options trading. So ultimately, that is what I did. I got approved for level two options trading for covered calls, calls, puts, uh, you know, a bunch of other stuff that I am very... Uh, very foreign to me. But the only really real thing that I wanted to start doing was writing covered calls. Now, in the way of covered calls, um, you know, shout out to my buddy Alex that uh, was definitely helping me with this and, and you know, kind of made it seem like it's not as scary as what I had previously thought. Um, so he kind of explained it to me in, you know, layman's terms for uh, pretty much you say you own, let's, let's go with Disney. Cause that's the example that he gave to me. Say you own Disney at a hundred dollars and, uh, you want to write a covered call. Basically a covered call is saying that I'm covering it because I already own the hundred shares. And, uh, you know, someone would call it away at a higher price point or a higher strike price as it's called. So if I own it at a hundred and I say, you know what? If on April 15th, someone wants to buy, you know, these shares for me at $120, I'll give them the option to buy that contract for me now. Uh, meaning basically on April 15th, I will sell it uh, at $120 predetermined. And I would collect a premium on the fact that they want to be able to buy my shares in the future at a higher price. So you basically cap your upside, if that makes any sense. So if Disney goes to $160, you're already obligated to sell it for $120. Now, at the same time, if it goes to $119.50, uh, no one's going to want to buy it because they have to pay extra in order to you know, buy your shares at that $120 strike price. So you just get the premiums put right into your account on that given day. And that's uh, all predetermined by how far or the time till expiration when you're going to sell these options or, uh, you know, the, the price spread, you know, if you put a, a strike price of 105 versus, you know, you bought it at a hundred, now it's only $5. So that would be more of a premium, the higher, the, uh, the strike price or the higher price that someone is willing to give you would be, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to get paid as much. So my whole thought on doing this was, well, if I can get paid to, write the contract that I would sell it at a given price. I mean, let's be, let's be realistic. Um, 
I've always said this. If someone wants to buy my truck from me, yeah, sure, there's a price. Uh, I might not want to sell it for for less than what I've got into it or less than what I can go out and buy another one. But if there's someone that wants my exact truck, okay, it's for sale. So this is basically the same thing as that. So um, where do we go from there? I kind of got on a tangent about selling trucks. Anyhow, so you, you've got uh, this price point in mind whether it be $105 or $120 that you want to sell it. So I started writing these options. Uh, I did a couple yesterday on Marathon, Pete, MPC, SoFi, uh, Citibank. Uh, started writing one for Altria. Uh, I've, I've got a couple of them different written now. But basically, I'm collecting the premium that someone is buying this contract from me in order to buy these shares at a later date at a higher price. Now, these prices are prices that, one, I don't really think that these stocks are going to get to these prices. Uh, there is a way to uh, take a look at that on E-Trade. There's an options analyzer, and I'll run through that in a second. But uh, also that I'm getting the premium for selling something where I want to sell it, where I would be getting a, a profit on the sale price and a profit on the premium. So uh, just for example, yesterday, I probably made about $300 writing these options contracts that I don't think I'm going to have to show, sell my shares. Now, if I do, um, I'm comfortable selling these stocks at the prices that I've written. So there's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You, you get uh, the, the premiums, and if you therefore have to sell your shares, uh, say, for example, at that $120 for Disney on April 15th, if uh, if it does reach 120, your shares get called away. That is the call side of things. Now, if it doesn't get there, your shares are still in your account. Nothing happens. You just collect the premiums and ultimately pocket the cash so you can buy more shares. Uh, so uh, if the strike price does hit at, uh, say, that 120 on Disney, you would have $12,000 in your account based on the fact that uh, $120 times 100 shares, all contracts for options are traded in 100 share blocks. Uh, so if you know, do the math, it's, it's $12,000. That would be credited to your account. Uh, and as I said, if you owned it at 100, you still have about $2,000 of, uh, of earnings there that you would get taxed on. Uh, if you've owned it for less than a year, it would be short-term capital gains more than a year long-term capital gains, similar to, you know, buying and selling stocks. But um, yeah, so there's there's definitely a lot of different things out there that I really probably have had a mental block on doing. And this is definitely one of them. Uh, so a lot of these, I've really wrote them thinking that I don't believe that, you know, MPC or SoFi or Citibank is going to hit this price by uh, whatever time that I have put on this uh, this particular options play. So uh, when I am on E-Trade, if, you if you're on E-Trade Markets and Ideas, you can go to Options, and then you can look at the Options Analyzer. Now, I know TD Ameritrade and Schwab and all have similar things. I've definitely seen those in some of the uh, research that I've done. But uh, let's, let's take a look at Disney just for just for, I guess, a demonstration here. So currently Disney is at $98, right? So if I go through here and I say, what strategy am I going to put in? I'm going to put in a call. 
we're going to uh, select sell open quantity. We're going to say one, uh, one contract. We're going to put an expiration of, uh, we'll get closer to that April 21st that we can uh, get, or April 15th is what I said, but they have a contract for April 21st. So uh, if we were to put in a strike price of 120, uh, well, this one, you know, being the fact that it's about, uh, what, 22, 23% away from where we are currently, we would get about $17 to write this contract. Now, that doesn't seem that uh, that appealing, but let's take a look and analyze the op option uh, optionality of Disney hitting 120 by uh, April 21st. Now, I didn't, I'm kind of doing this on the fly here. So a little bit of a learning for you and me. Uh, so if I slide it over to about $120.07, there is a 4.9% chance that Disney will close above $120 on April 21st. And hence, that is going to be why, uh, you know, it's only 17 cents per share times 100 as it's, you know, traded in 100 share contracts. Now, if I move that down to say 110, let's just check what that does. Uh, well, that is going to give us $89 for uh, simply writing this, this options play here. So at, uh, at $110, right? That's what I said, 110. We'll do 105 next. We'll see where that gets us. So 110 is going to have a 17.5% chance of closing above $110 on April 21st. So that gives us about $90 in premium that we would get into our account today, right? So you could go out and, uh, you know, say you had 500 shares of Disney, you could have, uh, you know, 90 times five, what is that? 450, 450 in premiums simply for writing the contract. Now, if you really wanted to get out of it and, and say, uh, well, $100, the, the premiums would be $385 that you would get today for a strike price of 100 on simply doing one contract. And on 105, you would get $194 to write this contract. So now yeah, the 17 cents might not sound great, but then the fact you think you do this uh, for you know, a good majority of your stocks and, you know, 17 times, however many different uh, positions that you have. Uh, you know, like I said, this one is for April 15th. If we move it out to August or next March, uh, you know, the, the rates are going to be a lot different, but, uh, you can play with all these different numbers, see where they take you, see if it's something that you might want to think about. Um, you know, if you've got questions, feel free to definitely ask, but, uh, yeah, one Oh five, let's, let's run through this one real quick. I, I think I interrupted myself again. Uh, so yeah, 105 on Disney for April 21st. There is actually a 29% chance of Disney closing above 105. So 70% that it will not uh, break that 105 level. And we would collect $194 for simply giving someone the option to purchase our shares from us at $105 uh, and collecting that $194 today. Uh, to be able to sell your stock at that 105 price point. So uh, I guess another thing to think about here is uh, I know that even I've done this recently, 
I've put some limit orders, much smaller amounts on, uh, you know, different stocks that I was looking to sell. And it was kind of like, if they got there, I'd sell them, right? But uh, now you're getting a premium in order to do that. And you're still getting this price point where you would sell it. So, um, you know, if there's a stock, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's a stock that you have uh, more than 100 shares in that you want to think about maybe writing a an option on, it's, uh, I guess it's not as scary as I thought uh, in talking, like I said, in talking to some friends, watching a lot of different videos, watching some training on E-Trade. Uh, it really kind of simplified it to the point where this makes sense, right? And as I said, I, I did, you know, probably 300 bucks yesterday simply by uh, writing these options on stocks that I don't think are going to sell. Now, I say that uh, in the next breath, um, most of them aren't moving big today. On MPC, with uh, some of the different things on oil, uh, MPC did rally this morning. So, uh, just for example, I'll, I'll tell you which option I wrote here. This was a March 10th. Uh, so next week uh, of 2023, $131 call. Uh, when I wrote this, Marathon was at uh, 124, maybe 123 yesterday. Today, it shoots up $4.58, up 3.71% on the day. So, and then here's another thing. I, I asked my buddy at the same time. I said, what if this happens to go up above 131? Does it automatically get taken out of my account? He said, no, on that given day, on March 10th, if it is above 131, that is the only time at expiration. If it's 131, it would be called away. Otherwise, it, it could go to 200. As long as it comes back down under 131, uh, I would keep my shares and keep that premium. So either way, you keep the premium. On, on the expiration date, if it is above your strike price, your shares would you know leave your account, but you would get credited with the sale price that you already set in. So a, a lot of different things to think about here. It might be really overwhelming. I know for myself, it was certainly overwhelming to look at this the first time and really try to wrap my head around what was going on. But uh, there, there's definitely two sides of every trade. So there's someone looking to buy your, your call option in order to have the right to basically buy your shares at a later date and time. So they're giving you, in, in this case, you know, I think for Marathon, it was like 70 bucks, $75. Uh, but then, you know, if Marathon goes to say 140 by next week, they are already in the money. They are already in, you know, positive territory by like $9. They could immediately sell it. And then it makes it look like their option that they wrote to buy my shares at 131 were golden. But uh, I think when I calculated this one yesterday, it was about 12% or 13% to go above 131 in a week. So I, I guess that that's all relative to what the market does. And the fact that it uh, it shot up about 4% in a given day is not uh, not my favorite thing. But like I said, I was already fine selling this one at um, at that 131. My cost basis on MPC is $48. So I've still got a ton of upside or I've still got a, a bunch of profit in this one. And if I have to sell it at 131, that's okay. So that's pretty much what I got for you. I think I try to cover all the basis of what I know so far. Um, I know that I'm not an expert on this by any stretch of the, of the word, but uh, I will try to keep dabbling in this because if I could do this every month and make uh, you know another 
four, five, six hundred dollars a month on writing these options and keeping my shares, I, I definitely think that is something that I want to uh, really look into going forward to where I can still, you know, collect my dividends on these names and also get the premiums from trying to sell them at a price where I'd be comfortable to do so. So with that being said, um, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the investing challenge and uh, ultimately where we go from here. So stick around and I will be right back. All right, guys, we are back here and uh, just wanted to point out if you are looking to get started with an account of your own, I do have links in the description for E-Trade that I was just talking about using that options analyzer for Webull, where we are doing the investing challenge for crypto.com and for Binance.us. So if you are looking to get started with one of those, uh, feel free to use my link uh, to help get you going. There's some different offers on all of them right now. So uh, also, if you uh, are a fan of the podcast, I would definitely appreciate a uh, subscribe and share. And uh, if you're really feeling generous, you can go ahead and support the podcast over there at anchor.fm slash let it grow. Uh, so with that being said, uh, what else do we got right now? We've got uh, uh, the former FTX engineer, uh, Nishad Singh, uh, was uh, pleading guilty to six criminal charges in New York court on Tuesday. Uh, he is basically trying to cooperate, and uh, it sounds like he is accepting the fact that they were doing some uh, some fraudulent things over there at FTX. And uh, he says he's deeply sorry for his role in this and has accepted responsibility for his actions, wants to do everything he can to make this right for the victims. Um, you know, I, I hope that he knows where some of this uh, crypto has gone and ultimately maybe how to get some of it back. But uh, more importantly, I really think that uh, Sam Bankman Freed needs to really catch the uh, the brunt of all these charges for his involvement in it. I don't really know the whole story with Nishad Singh, but uh, nice to see that some justice is being done. I know that uh, if you have funds wrapped up in FTX, it is definitely a, a painful ride that you've been on over there. But uh, nice to see them moving forward with it and hopefully hopefully recovering some things and and maybe we can you know kind of figure out what's going on over there so we can get the regulation that overall that uh, i believe crypto needs in order to really move forward uh you know so having the uh the brokerage houses um on on point with everyone else is is really what we need i i, I don't really know the the ins and outs of all of it but uh they definitely need to be held you know accountable and uh FDIC insured or something along those lines to where people's money is is safe. At least those coins that we that we uh, invest in are safe. Uh, I'm fine with the swings of it. I know that they're volatile, but uh, I know that if I invest in in one Bitcoin, I want to have one Bitcoin when it's time to sell. So we, we definitely need that regulation out there in order to know that the people that are holding these coins are uh are doing you know what we intend to do with that uh with that money so uh yeah we've also got uh 30-year mortgages heading to another high we've got uh you know the housing market we are seeing those prices fall further and uh ultimately we're, we're really on the edge of, of what that means for the market as a whole so um, uh, I was just reading this headline here. Now, where did it go? Um, well, oh yeah, this is another one. Car debt. 
We're also piling up more as uh, Americans owe thousands more than vehicles are worth. Not a big surprise. If you have uh, if you bought last year, there's a good chance that uh, the value of what you paid for it and what it's actually worth now is uh, is flip-flopped heavily. Not uh, your typical, you know, you drive it off the lot and it loses 20%, but uh, even more so because the prices were so high, heavily inflated last year and now ultimately they are uh, going the other way as those uh, retail prices have come down and now the the resale market is hurting as well. So there's a lot of that going on in houses and in uh, automotive. So we're, we're really waiting to see what uh, what the Fed decides. And uh, as I said earlier, yes, the uh, the Fed and uh, two of the uh, their agents really want to push to get the 50 basis point hike. And I did have that pulled up as well, the, the CME Fed Watch tool. And uh, we're still about 70% saying that we're going to get a 25 basis point hike. And we are about 30% saying we're going to go to a 50 per, or 50 basis point hike at the next meeting, which I believe is in 21 days. Let's uh, just double check that. Uh, now I navigated off the CME. But uh, I believe it is uh, a 20 days until the next FOMC meeting at 21 days exactly. So... Uh, yeah, with that being said, let's uh, take a look at the investing challenge. And we did go ahead and purchase uh, for week for week nine. Yeah, we purchased deer on Monday. Uh, so definitely a nice pick there. And I thank you guys for picking that one. And uh, yeah, they're definitely in the forefront of, uh, of farming. They're definitely in all the uh, uh, agricultural scene. And I really think that this is a smart choice. We've got a current PE of about 15.5. So uh, a solid PE for where we want to be investing in something like deer. They're in the forefront of bringing food to the table. They are really leaning heavily into autonomous and AI and a lot of the different things that are big buzzwords right now. So I think the fact that they are forward looking and uh, at a reasonable price at that 15 times multiple, I'm not so concerned with the share price as long as the value and the underlying uh, you know, fundamentals of the stock really make sense. They are making money. Their products are in demand uh, on all fronts from you know, robotic mowing and, and even just traditional mowing and agriculture, uh, combines, everything like that. They are in definite demand right now. And I think that the future of the company is bright with where they are looking to take it. And I think that they're going to be a leader in uh, the next era of farming. And uh, I, I think that was a nice pickup for us. So, uh, yeah, we bought it at, uh, I want to say it was like 418. So we're, we're up, uh, you know, I think 70 cents last time I looked on, on this one for deer. But it is a marathon, not a sprint. And we've got about 12% of upside uh, from 15 analysts right now. So that average price target sitting at 473.53. So we got about $53 to go up from here uh, in the next year, according to these uh, these 15 analysts. So uh, I definitely am uh, positive on, on deer going forward. And uh, yeah, as I said, for free cash flow, they are making uh, about $27 a share uh, currently at the at the last check. All right. So now when we're looking forward, right, we had uh, Brad Bathgate on last week from Bathgate Construction, and he wanted to look at uh, five different names that uh, I don't think have made it onto uh, an investing challenge, uh, you know, to date. So we've had what 
uh, 62 weeks at this point, and these names, maybe Waste Management made one of them. It's definitely a name that's been uh, on my radar for a while. But uh, yeah, that was number one. That was uh, Brad's number one pick here was Waste Management. And uh, his thoughts and mine are are very similar on this name. It's a very conservative name, but uh, we're always going to have trash, and we always need someone to, uh, I guess, manage that trash as it's right in their name, you know. So we've got uh, WM is the ticker. We are looking at that one. We do have a, uh, a PE of about 27 on this one, but uh, $5.39 earnings per share over the trailing 12 months. If you see TTM, that's what that means. We've got uh, a quarterly dividend of one87 and uh, we've got uh, analyst research looking like about 11% upside here on waste management. So I definitely like the name, right? They own a lot of these different centers. They own a lot of the uh, the real estate that is attached to these uh, these businesses. And also, I think it is definitely one of the few key players in that uh, in that world. So it's not going anywhere. They own the real estate. Uh, and that, that whole business, yes, there's some other players in, in that field, but they do have a, a strong, uh, business, strong model. And, uh, I think that it is going to be, uh, a wise pick going forward. It, it's, uh, you know, definitely a nice, uh, five-year chart. And for some reason, my, my chart's not working right now, but, uh, I know that over time that this one, yeah, this one is, has a very nice trajectory upwards over the past five years. And, uh, I'm going to guess when I pull up the the long-term chart. Yeah. Very, very similar there too. It's a, a very, very nice track. Uh, even, you know, we had a run up way back in 1999 and then a fall off with the, uh, I'm guessing the, the 99, 2000 crash, we went down to 17, but since then we've had a nice track upward and, uh, we're sitting at 148.68. So definitely a nice pickup here. And one that, uh, I think they're going to continue to, uh, you know, return, modest, moderate gains that are going to be very predictable. So I definitely like uh, Brad's choice there on waste management. Ticker is WM. That's number one. If you want to vote for these, these are on the Let It Grow Investing podcast page. So please get over there, get your votes in. We are not having enough people get over there and actually vote, which, uh, you know, the people that are voting, thank you very much. And they are making some good picks. I have definitely like the ones that we are picking but uh, I want to see more people get involved over there. So please go ahead and do that. Number two, Stericycle. The ticker over here is SRCL. Now, this is a trash company as well, but more in the uh, contaminated waste area. Uh, think of uh, hospitals or uh, medical buildings where you've got sharps containers, things like that. Uh, soiled linens, all, all that type of stuff, I think, is all that Stericycle does. So they are uh, definitely a more of a boutique type of trash company, which kind of sounds odd, boutique and trash. But at the same time, they, they certainly have a more um, you know niche business as to what they do and how they do it. Uh, and it is a company that uh, does not pay a dividend, but I do think that they are um, you know a, a very needed company especially going through COVID, everything that was soiled, they had to get rid of all of it. And that was their business. So we're currently sitting at uh, about 46.94. This one did run up well before the pandemic. In 2015, it was much higher. Now, I don't really have the ins and outs as to why that is. Um, and, you know, back into 
start of COVID, April. Yeah, where are we? April of uh, 2020, we were looking at like $55. So we ran up to about 70 and now we're sitting back at 46.94. So we would definitely want to look, uh, or if you're going to vote on this one, you want to take a look at the earnings, see where they have been. The beta is a one, so it's not as volatile, but uh, we do have a higher PE at 78 times. Now, it looks like the analysts think that this one has a good amount of upside. This is only for analysts, so a smaller uh, you know, group of analysts voting on this one, but we do have about 34% of upside on Stericycle. That is uh, ticker SRCL. So if you want to vote for that one, again, get over to Let It Grow Investing and get your votes in. Number three is going to be Gladstone, uh, Gladstone Land, which is ticker LAND. And uh, I, I think I, I I might spoil this one, but I think this is the one that I voted for. I normally don't vote, but I said, well, if Brad's picking them, I can pick which one I want to vote for, right? So I did vote for uh, for land. Now, this one is a, uh, a triple net lease farming uh, land operation owned by Gladstone. They leased the, the land and uh, all the, the rights of the land out to these farmers. Now, when you have a triple net lease, they pay for all the taxes, all the uh, licensing, all the everything that they need to do uh, in order to operate on this land. So very little uh, for, for Gladstone to do other than to simply lease it out. But uh, they do own the underlying land that is there. So uh, more of a real estate play. It is a REIT. It is classified as one. So they do have to pay out more in the way of their uh income in the way of dividends. It is a monthly payer. They pay about four and a half cents per month per share, $17.34. So that nets you about 3% of a uh, dividend yield over the course of the year. So um, you get that yield, but we've also got some upside here on the analyst research, which is, this is one of the main reasons I went this route. 49% of upside, according to, uh, again, only four analysts, but uh, even the low upside accounts for 27% on the low end. The high upside is about 107%. So I definitely think that this one is, uh, is a good contender for, uh, for the week. I definitely think that uh, the, the land and the farming, as I was talking about John Deere, uh, we're, we're not making any more land and we still need more and more uh, produce and, and crops and things like that. So I definitely like the fact that uh, it, owns the real estate and we're, you know, owning it for a reason to make more food for people. So I, uh, I picked this one, the spoiler alert, I guess, but, um, yeah, so ticker LAND, we've got, uh, I don't know, about 52% of upside when you include that dividend. And it's nice to have a monthly payer on, uh, on the Webull portfolio as well. Number four, we've got, uh, Cisco. And that is SYY. We are looking at the food company that is Cisco. They're going to be delivering to hospitals, uh, restaurants, schools, and uh, they've, they've got a solid business. They're one of the largest to do it. The uh, the PE is sitting at around 26. We've got uh, about 18.5% of upside, this time from 12 different analysts. So uh, about $14 higher from the $74 price point we're at now. And uh you know, we, we keep seeing inflation in food and uh, we see food uh, when you go out to eat, not include and not increasing as much as food from home. So they have a little bit met, better of a uh, 
you know, price control over the, the products that they sell. You do get about a 2.63% dividend uh, on this one. And uh, I definitely think it's one that is not going anywhere. We're always going to have food at hospitals, at, uh, at schools, and there's always going to be a group of people that are going out to eat their meals or ordering in. But that food has got to come from somewhere, and that supplier is Cisco. So S-Y-S-C-O is how you spell this one, not to be confused with C-S-C-O, which is the, the IT company. So S-Y-Y is the ticker. And uh, again, number four for week 10. Now, number five, we are looking at the lumber industry. And now this company, Wirehauser, has, uh, well, the ticker is WY. We've, uh, I think this is the second lowest PE we've got this week. It's a 12.4. So we've got a 2.4% dividend. They are earning money. They got about $2.53 of earnings per share over the trailing 12 months. And uh, where are we on the analyst research? We've got uh, about 17% upside here as well. So roughly call it 20% of upside, including that dividend. And I think this one, we're buying it as, uh, you know, some of the building has slowed. We're buying it as uh, the housing hasn't started back up as much. We're finishing more houses than we're starting new ones. And we're kind of in a lull of, you know, that building right now. People really don't want to take out too much on the way of loans at these 7% interest rates or, you know, or worse. We, we don't really know where the market's going to go on that. Uh, you know, that terminal rate's going to end up. So this one, I do think that we've got a little bit more time to buy. I really like the name. I like the fact that uh, they believe they own the land as well. Uh, yeah, they own or they control own or control about 11 million acres of timberland in the U.S., and manages an additional 14.1 million acres of timberlands in uh, long-term licenses in Canada. So what's that, about 25 million acres that they manage. And uh, yeah, I think overall long-term, this one will work. It is certainly in a spot where it has sold off. And I, I think that could be a good time to buy into something like this. Maybe not uh, a rush to buy this one. I do think that this is going to stay depressed until these rates start coming down. But uh, on the back end of this rate cycle, we've got to think that something like Wirehauser is eventually going to take back off and we're going to have a lot of need for uh, the lumber that they're selling. So uh, again, not a rush. I think we've got a window to buy this one, probably another nine months to a year but uh, one that I do think is going to be a long-term gain and uh, a very safe play. You know, you've got uh, got the dividend, they've got the cash, you've got a low PE, and uh, yeah, I think they're, they've just got the, a, a good hold on the market as well. And like I said, I'm not rushing to buy it. That's the reason I didn't get into that one this week. Uh, I chose Gladstone Land, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, make your voice heard. Let's see. Let's see what we need to add to the investing challenge portfolio. That is on Webull. We do that because we can uh, we can buy fractional shares. I can buy two hundred dollars worth of deer that's trading at four twenty without any kind of hassle. You cannot do that on E Trade. You cannot buy fractional shares. Um, so that is one of the reasons that I started the Webull portfolio. I know there are other brokers where you can do that. But uh, for me, it's not something that I was really looking to do that heavily. 
except for the investing challenge to be able to put in that same amount every week. But uh, yeah, that's what we got uh, for today. And I guess I'll just do a quick check in. We are down 7% on the investing challenge portfolio. But uh, I do think that by the end of the year, uh, certainly by like the end of the summer, we should be seeing some some gains here and know where the market's ultimately going to go. So that's what I got. And uh, thank you guys for stopping by. If you got any questions about any of this, feel free to ask it over there on the uh, Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook, whether it's uh, some of these stocks that I mentioned or any kind of questions on some some options. There are a couple videos that I watch that I could definitely share your way if you're interested in checking them out. So uh, with that being said, you guys uh, take care. I will be uh, back on Monday and we will talk some more then. So take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.